Well, it is the Advent season, and we are here getting ready to celebrate and remember the birth, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And we're doing something a little different this Advent season. We're looking at the prophecies of the Old Testament, specifically the prophecies of Isaiah, and their prophesying about the coming of Jesus Christ and all that that means. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to go ahead and to turn to the book of Isaiah. That's where we're going to be again this morning, specifically chapter 9. Now we're going to look at something today just directly right in the face. We're going to look at and we're going to consider the darkness and the gloom of this world. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're like myself where the cup is typically half full. You can't help but read the news or live the human experience in 2021 without recognizing that there is at times, and more often than we want to face it, a darkness and a gloom that exists in our world. Just this past week, just a few days ago, the devastation that was wrought in a moment's time in the state of Kentucky. Today, there are families mourning the loss of loved ones and families that are still mourning because they don't know where their loved ones are. There are still people that are unaccounted for. A tornado, a storm brought death and devastation in just an instant to that state and to those people. You heard Pastor Tony pray about an individual in our church. Uh, there were actually two in the last week or so that had been in car accidents. And so there's this like physical devastation that, that comes and then all the, the headache with that and, and the healing that's involved. Some of you here today know the darkness and gloom of a broken relationship. Today, the holiday season is really not an enjoyable time. It's really a sad time for you because it's a reminder of what you don't have. The prayer that Pastor Paul prayed was, oh, so, so beautiful and eloquent in its capturing that often we strive for a sentimentality rather than sacrifice during this Christmas season. And as we come to the Christmas season and we look around our table and we see people that aren't there, either because death has taken them or because of broken relationship, like our, our hearts ache. There is darkness and gloom in our world and in our own experiences. And so we're faced with a question and the question is, what do we do about that? Can anything be done about the darkness and the gloom? How do we bear under the weight of it? Do we just throw our hands up in the air and say, it's going to be what it's going to be, and just try and survive? Or is there, as we're talking about today, uh, hope? In 1977, there was a Broadway musical that was produced for the first time. I didn't realize it was only in 1977. And it was the Broadway musical... Annie. Are we familiar with the, the musical Annie? If you're not, you've been living under a rock for 40 years. Like, <clears throat> the most um, probably memorable song in that Broadway musical, Annie, is a song, The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow. Because if you know the story of Annie, she was someone who was well acquainted, at least as the play goes, with darkness and gloom. She was an orphan, no parents. She lived in an orphanage where she was treated poorly, lived poorly, the, uh, the head of the orphanage, Miss Hannigan, if you remember the story, basically uses all the orphans as, as slave labor. So she knows poverty. She knows suffering. 
and she knows what it's like to, to be a slave. And yet, for Annie, she's able to come to every day with somewhat of a cheery disposition. She, she enters into every day with a bit of hope because of the song that she sings to herself. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be light. Just thinking about tomorrow scares away the cobwebs and the sorrows. Till there's none. When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick up my chin. I'm not going to get there. And grin, I'm not going to get there. And say, right, I'm going to stop right there. Annie comes with this idea in her song that I can get through the day because what? The sun will come out tomorrow. And I thought about that song this week because we're talking about hope and we're looking at it in Isaiah because Annie is acknowledging the fact that there is darkness and gloom in our world and in her own life. And the way she's trying to pick herself up and get through it is to call to her mind that the sun will come out tomorrow. Is that enough, folks? In the face of darkness and gloom, just to kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just simply say, there's brighter days ahead. Is that going to pull you through? Is that going to be enough for you? Because what if the sun comes out tomorrow, but you still have cancer? What if the sun comes out tomorrow and your friends are still dead? What if the sun comes out tomorrow and your relationships are still broken? Is that all that we're left with, or is there a greater hope than that? Praise God, in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9, in the prophecy of a coming Messiah, we find, not just simply first and foremost, the promise of brighter days, but a truth about what those brighter days mean for us. So I want us to begin by looking at Isaiah chapter 9 and reading just the first three verses. Isaiah 9 starts with this one word. Whenever you see this word in your scriptures, you need to stop. It says, but. Whenever you see the word but, what you're knowing is that the section that we're about to read is connected to what comes before it. And so what comes before Isaiah chapter 9, you smart Alex would say, well, Isaiah chapter 8. Of course Isaiah chapter 8 comes before Isaiah chapter 9. But what is in Isaiah chapter 8? It is a prophecy from Isaiah, God speaking through Isaiah to the people of Israel, telling them that a judgment is going to come upon the nation through the Assyrians, the people of God will eventually experience a judgment, and it closes in verse 22 of chapter 8 with these words. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. The prophecy of God through Isaiah to the nation of Israel is, when Assyria comes in and does what it's going to do, it will in envelop you in a darkness and a gloom and anguish unlike anything you have experienced. And so that's what Isaiah 8 says. And then Isaiah 9 comes and says, but while you're in darkness and while you're experiencing gloom, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. 
You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoils. Well, what's happening here? In chapters one, in verses one through three, Isaiah now is coming after prophesying despair and anguish and darkness and gloom to the people of God. He's offering to them the promise of brighter days, that the devastation and the loss they're experiencing now will not last forever. Look at what he says. A day is coming when the Lord is promising to them that there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish, no more contempt, but instead glory, no more darkness, but light. Joy and plenty will be known by them. The dark clouds will go away. The poverty will be replaced with riches. What's happening here in Isaiah 1 through 3 is that we're in chapter 8, there was the promise of darkness and gloom. In verses 1 through 3, we have the promise of brighter days. Very similar to Annie saying that the sun will come out tomorrow, Isaiah is saying to the people of God, there's going to come a time when you will know darkness like you've never experienced, but that darkness is not going to last forever. In fact, just the reference to the land of Naphtali and the land of Zebulun, those were the northernmost uh, tribes in Israel, and those were the first tribes to experience the invasion of the Assyrians coming down from the north. And so what Isaiah is saying, those who experience the worst of it, even those who experience the worst of this, they'll be brought out of darkness and they will be brought into to light. Now this leads though to the question, which is what will turn the dark days and replace them with light that will turn gloom into joy? I see it. I see Isaiah, you saying that those who walked in a great darkness, they've, they've seen a great light, but what's going to do this? And this is where the second part of the chapter talks about the occasion. So if you're taking notes, this is the second point. What's the occasion for these brighter days? See, Annie sang in the song, the sun will come out tomorrow. And she's saying, well, the sun will come out tomorrow. That, that's, that's my hope. Well, Isaiah says, no, no, there's something much more greater than just simply it not being dark the next day that the sun will come out. Look at what he says. This is in verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Verse 5. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment roiled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What's going on there? He's saying, you want to know the occasion for the brighter days? You want to know what's going to replace the gloom with joy, what's going to replace the darkness with light? It's very simply this. God's people will be delivered from their enemies. Totally and completely, God's people will be delivered from their enemies. That's what verses 4 and 5 are talking about. The source of the suffering for God's people will be done away with. The people in I in Isaiah chapter 8, we're told that they're going to be conquered, that they were going to be enslaved by the, by the Assyrians. And this enslavement is described for us in verse 4. Look at what he says here. For the yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. 
the prophet Isaiah is describing what it was like and what it will be like for the people of God to be enslaved. There's three descriptions of how a rod was going to be used against them. They're being described here as beasts of burden for the Assyrians. The Assyrians were going to treat the people of God like oxen, like mules. They would use the rod to keep them in check, beat them, strike them. They would use the rod as a yoke to put on their shoulders to accomplish their work. They would use the staff as a way to keep them in line. The devastation for the people of God was that they would be enslaved by their enemies. And yet, what's the occasion for brighter days? Isaiah says that rod, which is used in those three different ways, will literally be broken. And if that rod is broken, it means that that instrument that was used to enslave you will not be used to enslave you anymore. That's why you have brighter days ahead. That's going to be the occasion of your brighter days. God will deliver you from your enemies. And then he says something, and I missed this the first couple of times as I was studying, but I don't want you to miss it. So this one's free. Here we go. Verse 5. Check out what verse 5 says. Let's go back and look at this verse. It says, For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment roiled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Do you know, do you have any idea what he's talking about there? I'm going to explain it to you. Don't worry, we'll get there. Do you know that one of the most significant instruments, pieces of equipment in warfare that we never really think about, but is utterly important, are your shoes. The very thing that Isaiah talks about here is, notice what he says. Look, look at it again. For every boot of the tramping warrior, what's going to happen to every boot, according to the text? It's going to be burned in the fire. You see, soldiers have to have good equipment on their feet. Because if you were going into battle barefoot on rocky terrain, how successful are you going to be when you're fighting somebody? Ah, oh, ah, ah, right? You're going to be like, you know, stop. And then they're going to run away. And you're going to be like, have you ever seen somebody do that? Like, it, I'm, I'm making it be a little silly because it is. What insane person would go into battle without some good boots on their feet? Good sandals on their feet. Nobody. You're asking for a beating if you don't have shoes on your feet. And what does God say he's going to do to all the shoes of the enemies of the people of God? They're going to burn them. And then it gets even more ridiculous. What's he going to do with all of their uniforms that are covered in blood? He's going to burn them too. Anybody going to go into battle naked? Right? You want, you want to talk about being foolish, right? You want to be covered. And God says, I'm going to do two things to your enemies here. I'm going to burn all their shoes and I'm going to burn all their uniforms. If he has burnt their shoes and burnt all their uniforms, do you know what he's saying to the people of God? He's saying, I'm not just simply going to deliver you from the Assyrians and take you out of slavery, but I'm going to make it so that your enemies can never attack you again. You want to talk about real freedom, Real freedom is knowing not just simply that your enemy is defeated, but they can never regain strength and come against you ever again. That's what he's promising to the people of God. You want to know hope? It's that your enemies are defeated completely. 
In the book, in the musical Les Mis, the main character, Jean Valjean, was somebody who had been imprisoned for a crime that he had committed. He eventually escapes free from prison, but if you know the story, he attempts to live his life as a good man and as a righteous man. Yet, all throughout the story, for decades, he's haunted. He's haunted because he's ultimately hunted. He knows he's out of jail, and he knows he's living as a free man, but his enemy, Javert, one of the police inspectors, is trying to find him. And as long as Javert's alive, Jean Valjean in the story of Les Mis shows us somebody who is still captured by fear. He's free, but he's not, because his enemy is still out there. And it's not till the end of the story, spoiler, Javert kills himself, And Jean Valjean finally has that full sense of freedom for the first time in his life. When it comes here and it says, here's the occasion for brighter days. You will be delivered from your enemy, but you will be delivered totally and completely so that they will have no more instruments to come against you. What an amazing promise Isaiah is saying to the people of God. This is a beautiful thing. The occasion for brighter days will not just simply be that the people of God will be freed from their enemies. It is that their enemies will be powerless to ever attack them again. Imagine, church, imagine knowing that you are not only freed from the source of your darkness, but that that same source was powerless to ever overtake you again. Are some of you starting to maybe connect the dots here? But the prophecy doesn't just end here because Isaiah goes on to say how and when the people of God could expect these brighter days. We look now in these next verses and we see the source of the brighter days. We see the occasion, the deliverance of God's people, but we also see the source. Verse 6 tells us when and how the people of God are going to be delivered from this great darkness. Verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. For me, this is one of the greatest jarring transitional verses in the Bible. We go from chapter 8 or chapter 9, verse 5, talking about garments of blood being burned in a fire to, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. What's happening here? Why is a child being mentioned? Because he's telling us that the source of brighter days will be a child. The occasion will be your deliverance, but what will bring about that deliverance? He says, a child will do it. That's right. The people of God are to look for their deliverance in a child. But unlike the prophecy of Isaiah 7, where we're told about a child being born as a sign... Look at what it says about this child in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Does that verse sound familiar? Here it is, the prophecy of Isaiah. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Isaiah here is explicitly saying that the child will be the means through which God delivers his people. The occasion is the deliverance of God's people, but what's the source of these brighter days? It is a 
child, and it tells us why this child is able to do this, why this child will deliver, because this child will rule over all the kingdoms of the earth forever. Look at verse 6 again. And the government shall be upon this child's shoulder. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. This child is not going to be any normal child. This child will fulfill a prophecy and a promise made to King David that one day through his line, someone will come who will be the perfect king who will rule not just over God's people, but all people forever. Isaiah says, there is a promise of brighter days. God's people will be delivered. That will be the occasion. But the source of that deliverance, it will be a child who will fulfill the promise that I made to David. And then... The prophecy comes and it tells us something that is truly shocking. Something that today we know the people who first heard this, remember, the people who first heard this were not yet in the days of darkness. They had just been told the days of darkness were coming and then they're being told that they will one day be delivered from that. But God comes in these verses and he tells them something that we know their minds could never have fully gotten around. In verse 6, we are told the name of the child. The child's actually given four names. We're going to look at them in fuller detail in just a moment, but right now I want you to look at what they mean collectively. And what they mean collectively is without dispute. By telling us the child will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, Isaiah is prophesying that the source of brighter days, the child will be God himself. Why can this child bring about the deliverance of the people of God through the complete and utter defeat of all the enemies of God? So thoroughly will that defeat take place that those enemies will never be able to go against the people of God ever again. Why, Isaiah says, well, look at his name. He will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This child is none other than God himself. God will come as a child. Isaiah is saying that God's going to come into human history as a human child. This is one of the first clear pictures to us in the Old Testament of what we call the Incarnation. Can you imagine being the people of God in that day, hearing the statement that the deliverer will be a child, but more than that, that child will be God himself? It's hard for us to fathom that. For them to hear this, there's no way that they understood the magnitude of what was being said. And what's being said in this prophecy of Isaiah 9 is that God will come as a child to deliver his people and establish his everlasting kingdom. And the end of verse 7 says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. In its context, church, the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9 <clears throat> is God coming to people who are anticipating a day of great darkness and suffering and pain, 
through the enslavement of their enemies. And he comes to them and says, in light of that darkness, I'm going to give you the promise of brighter days. And what are those brighter days exactly? It's that one day you're going to be delivered from all your enemies. And they will never come against you again. And you want to know how I'm going to do it? What's going to be the source of those brighter days? God says, I'm going to send a child to you. And that child's going to be me. And I will fulfill in human flesh all the promises made to King David as one who will rule and conquer utterly and completely. This is what God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. You want to get through your darkest days, look forward, knowing that no matter how dark your days will get, I will send forth a deliverer. I will come down and I will deliver you from your enemies. Now that's what it meant back then. That's what they would have taken and understood that to mean, God fulfilling his promises. But church, if we stop here with the prophecy of Isaiah 9, and we just live as a people who cling to the promise of brighter days, then we are failing to live in the fullness of what has actually come. See, because Isaiah chapter 9 to us is not just a, a text about the promise of brighter days. You see, we live on this side of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because for us, we live as a people not with just the promise of brighter days, but we live as a people who can say, the brighter days are here, amen? God has delivered already on the promise of Isaiah chapter 9. Do you know that? The deliverer has come. The child was born, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if that child has come, and he has, then the promise of Isaiah chapter 9 is that the enemies for the people of God have been defeated, and they can no longer have mastery over you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Think about this. Today, if Christ has come, if the promise of Isaiah 9 has been fulfilled, the greatest enemies to the people of God have been conquered. And do you know what that enemy was? You see, they were thinking flesh and blood at the time. They were thinking the Assyrians were the ones. But do you know that when you read the Old Testament, the enemies of the people of God were always just stand-ins. They were always just shadows of a greater enemy. The greatest enemy of all is sin. And what we see here in Isaiah is the promise that God is powerful enough and will ultimately conquer that enemy. See, when you turn over now, look to the Gospel of John. you got to turn here because John gets it. He understands that the prophecy of Isaiah has been fulfilled. Turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. <clears throat> In John chapter 1, we read these words. Just so that you know that, that I'm not making this up, and I want us to see the beauty of this. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him, Jesus was life. And the life was the what? Light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not what? Overcome it. Do you know who John is thinking about as he writes these words? He's thinking about a people who walked in great darkness have seen a great light. He's talking about Isaiah's prophecy here. He's saying Jesus is the light that came in and conquered the darkness. Unless you and I think that John is just putting those things together on his own. Jesus himself would come and say in John chapter 8, verse 12, this is Jesus sealing the deal. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of what? Life. Jesus says, I am the deliverer of Isaiah chapter 9. I am the child. We heard it read out of Galatians that at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law, to do what? To deliver those under the law. Jesus is God's gift to deliver people from darkness into light. Hallelujah for that. But do you really believe it? Do you know that there is no darkness that you will experience in this life, no gloom, no suffering, no pain, that the light of Jesus Christ can't shine in upon and help you not just simply get through it, but live the life that you were called to live? The Bible does not say that darkness does not exist. The Bible does not say that if you are in Jesus Christ, darkness will never be around you. But the Bible says that the light has shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not what? Overcome it. Jesus today for us as the people of God is this most beautiful and amazing gift who doesn't just simply deliver the people of God from our greatest enemy, sin, but has so conquered sin for you that sin can no longer have mastery over you. Your freedom has been so complete that if you are in Jesus Christ today, you can never be dragged back in and bound by the enemy of your sin because Jesus has conquered it. Amen. And here's the thing, church. Think now about the names that he has given. When the text comes and gives us the four names that this child will be called, think about what it means for whatever darkness you are experiencing. Because if Jesus is the promised son, notice it says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is what? Given. A gift to you. If you have this gift, think of his name now. For he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This means that Jesus provides truth and wisdom. Sometimes our darkness is due to the fact that we can't discern truth from error. And sometimes we might know the truth, but we don't know how to apply it. But this says, 
The gift that you receive in Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He is the gift of truth to you and wisdom. If you do not know the truth, you look to Jesus, you look to his word, and the truth is here for you. He is greater than any kind of flashlight that you would need. That's why it says, your word is like a lamp unto my feet. Sometimes we are walking around in the darkness of this world forgetting that we have the gift of Jesus in his word to show us his truth. Sometimes the darkness looks like you and I believing lies about ourselves. And yet if you have the gift of Jesus, you are delivered from those lies because he speaks the truth to you. He tells you you are forgiven. He tells you that there's no condemnation for you. He tells you what is true. Church, you have that every single day in Jesus Christ. And then he comes and his other name is Mighty God. Jesus Church provides the power to conquer sin. Do you believe that? Is there any sin that cannot be conquered by Jesus? Well, let me ask that one more time. Not a rhetorical question. I need a verbal here. Is there any sin that cannot be conquered by Jesus? No. no. Thank you for that. Just want to make sure you're awake. Is there any sin that Jesus cannot help you overcome? Oh, no. Mighty God means in Jesus Christ, you have a power that resides in you. You have no excuse. The sin in your life, conquered by Jesus at the cross, forgiven by Jesus at the cross, this is why I spent the time I did talking about blood-stained garments burned in fires and shoes being thrown in the fire. Because your enemy, sin and the devil, cannot come back against you ever again when you have the power of God in you. Praise the Lord for that. Look to him and live. He is the light of life. He is the everlasting father. He provides the care and love of God the Father. I don't care how cruddy your earthly father or mother or family members have been to you. There is one who cares for you and who shows his love for you. And the truth is that he always cares and he always loves. And that is Jesus Christ. It's funny that Jesus is called the Son of God, yet his name here is Everlasting Father. Do you know why he's called Everlasting Father? We, we have God the Father, so why is he called Everlasting Father? Because the scriptures say, Jesus says, I am the representation of the Father to you. You have love and you have care for you every day. I don't care what people say about you. You should look at your life and you should say, when I'm not receiving the love, the care, the affection from those around me, what is true is I forever and always have the love, care, and affection of the Father because I have the Son. Did you hear when Paul said it earlier? We have been adopted into the family of God. We are brothers and sisters. You have wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Jesus, you have the Prince of Peace. Jesus provides the peace. He provides the peace that you and I ultimately need in this life. Church, I close with this this morning. The prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9 is the prophecy that says, brighter days are ahead. 
There will be a deliverance one day for the people of God. The Assyrian army and all geopolitical systems that go against the people of God, they're just stand-ins for our greatest enemy. And you know what Jesus has done to our greatest enemy? He has conquered sin once and for all. And today, you and I have access to the indescribable gift that is Jesus Christ. And so, I have to say this as plainly as I can. You will not experience the power, the wisdom, the truth, the presence, the love, and the peace that is being proclaimed in these scriptures without taking hold of the gift of Jesus. You want out of your gloom, you want out of your slavery, you want out of your pain and shame, you want joy and you want light, receive the gift. For some of you here today, all that you have to look forward to is the hope that maybe tomorrow won't be as bad as today. The scriptures come to you today and they say, that's your hope? There's a hope far greater than that because the deliverer has come, the child has been born, and his name is Jesus. And he is given as the gift, the one who defeats your greatest enemy and comes to you and provides the power, provides the wisdom, provides the truth, provides the peace. Why would you just simply hope for brighter days instead cling to that the brighter days have come in the person of Jesus Christ? It's God's gift to you this morning. But then here's something that I want to do right now. I want us as a church family just to bow our heads in this moment. Because as we hear this message, I don't know, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you might say, "Why, why are we doing this? The answer is simple, so we're not distracted. As a church family, I want you to think for just a moment right now. Am I today taking hold of the gift of Jesus? You see, Jesus comes as a gift of salvation to us, and we receive that gift. But it also comes as a gift that keeps on giving. There are very few gifts in your life that you receive that you just simply use once and you're done with it. Jesus says, I am the light of life. As you keep coming to him, he shows himself faithful. So here's what I want you to just ask the Lord. Is there an area of my life where I'm not taking hold of the gift of Jesus, that I'm failing to see the deliverance that I have in him? Maybe I'm not clinging to him as a wonderful counselor. Maybe I need to cling to him as the mighty God. I've fallen into the trap of believing that the sin in my life is too great. Maybe I need to come to him as everlasting father because I don't feel loved and I don't feel cared for. I'm so focused on what others think about me rather than what God thinks about me. Maybe you're going, see what I'm saying is maybe you're not taking hold of the gift so you're going back into the slavery. You're living in the fear that he's already set you free from. Maybe you need the peace in your life. Church, the brighter days aren't just simply ahead for us. We look forward to our full redemption in heaven, but right now, right here, the light of life has shown that darkness has not overcome it. And so, Lord, help us right now as your people to look to Jesus. Some in this room right now need to look to Jesus so that they might be saved and delivered from sin. Lord, I pray that they would hear this message, recognize the darkness, that they can't come over it on their own, 
but that they need Christ and may they look to the free gift that you have supplied in Christ. But for others of us who have already looked to Jesus, oh Lord, would you help us today see very clearly how we need to embrace the brighter days that have come through the gift of your son and to stop living as a people, not clinging to this hope, not not clinging to the power, not clinging to the wisdom, not clinging to the peace, not clinging to the care that you have provided. And so Lord, help us And then may we carry the light of these truths into the darkness, believing as we go forth from this place this morning that the darkness cannot overcome it. So we pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen, amen.